Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek for Friday, January 3rd. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, joined by my co-host, John DeShazer, and today we are joined by the very own Zach Streif. Zach, first up, I have to ask, whose idea was it to put a camera in you guys' booth for the WWL booth in the Superdome, or was that already there and y'all just hadn't posted the videos? Well, I will, uh, I, I actually, I, this is rare that I get to take credit for an idea, but uh, yeah, I, I, I went to the station and said that it was something I'd like to do this year, um, and that, that you know, it's kind of like everybody was excited about the idea and yeah. kind of said, okay, well, great, well, how, what, what, what do we do? And um, it was just something that I've seen before, I've seen other teams do it, um, and, and so they would have been around a lot earlier if I could have figured out uh, successfully how to actually do it. Um, but it took us some trial and error. I actually have some from early in the year, and I have some with no sound, and I have some with sound and no video. And, uh, you know, finally we kind of figured out a good system for it. But uh, just thought it was like a, a fun way to give people, you know, a, a shot inside of there. And, uh, and certainly, you know, as the season goes here, and as we get into the playoffs and these moments get bigger, um, I thought it'd be a really cool way to document some really big moments. And, you know, I kind of find myself wishing that that was up there, uh, you know, and, and I could have seen, you know, Jim and Hokey, um, you know, especially when I listen to like the big calls in our opening, uh, we kind of put in some of those like classic calls from Jim. Uh, and, and you wish you could have seen that, right? And so uh, we threw it in there, and um, I think the fans have reacted to it really positively. I think they love it. Uh, the only person that's not into the camera is Deuce. Uh, Deuce, Deuce told me when we put it in, he's like, you mean I got to, like, do something now? <laughs> and I said, well, no, Deuce, you don't have to do anything. Uh, you know, you don't have to do anything. Uh, it's just to, you know, see what we are doing, and then you kind of see, like, you know, most of the time, Deuce never moves, mm-hmm. right? He's like a statue. <laughs> um, and so now he feels an urge, like he's got to, like, stand up or do something. <laughs> and I keep telling him, it's okay. Just do what you're going to do. Just it's be natural. totally fine. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's a, they're a lot of fun. And uh, I've also got a nice little blooper reel going from commercial breaks. Nice. Uh, that we'll get out there at some point here. That's what I was about to ask. Now, does this chronicle everything? Because anybody who does radio understands that the best yeah. lines come off air. That's just a fact. Yeah, John, the, <laughs> yeah no, no question. And, yes, the, uh, the, the camera runs uh, the entire game and the audio runs the entire game. So uh, we do have some other stuff. It's Quite honestly, more than anything, it's just a matter of going back and finding uh, everything in three hours and 40 minutes worth of tape. Um, but yeah, we, we do have a good little run of, uh, of some funny videos, uh, that we'll, we'll, we'll get out there eventually here. Are you the one cutting up all the video? Do you guys have an intern doing it or is it all you? Uh, it's all me. <laughs> it's all me. Eventually I'll wise up here and find somebody that wants to go and find all these, uh, <laughs> little clips. But as of right now, yeah, it's me on the, uh, on the airplane, uh, coming home trying to cut up video. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not very quick or efficient with it, but uh, yeah. 
but that's how it's working right now. You'll get faster. Don't worry about it. But at least you're doing it. So yeah. that's awesome because a lot of people aren't even trying to do that stuff. So I think, uh, like you said, a lot of the fans like it. Uh, so obviously the Saints take on the Vikings for the wild card game this weekend on Sunday. Unfortunately, they didn't get the bye. Um, but what are your thoughts going into this weekend about how the Saints have been playing? Because we've heard Drew Brees, Sean Payton say the word ascending a million times, it seems like, in the last two weeks. Do you think they are at the place that you'd like to see them at going into this postseason? Yeah, I think, you know, that, that messaging, um, I think, just kind of shows their experience a little bit, um, you know, of having been in the playoffs and felt the different momentum, you know, in the locker room. And it is, it's very difficult to create momentum going into the playoffs. And fortunately for the Saints, they don't have to because they've kind of been building it over time here. And I think a lot of that momentum has kind of come offensively because of the injury uh, problems that the defense has had over the last few weeks, and you really do have to kind of tip your hat to Dennis Allen and his staff because they've still performed at a high level, but now they're going to start getting those guys back. They're going to get Kiko back. They're going to get Vaughn back, uh, you know, Marcus Williams. They're going to start getting these pieces back, and the offense, meanwhile, has been picking up that slack, and it's a, it's been a lot of fun to watch, I think, because of how the defense did that for the offense earlier in the season. When Drew got hurt and Teddy came in, you saw the defense kind of elevate its its game and its performance, and then you see that the offense have to do it, and it really shows what a complete team this is. Uh, I think it's really shown the depth that this team has. And so as you go into the playoffs and you start getting those pieces back on the other side of the ball, you know that that confidence is growing defensively. You know that the offense since Week 10 is averaging 36.5 points, best in the National Football League and now you're getting your pieces back defensively, and that team's walking on the field this week feeling like they're the best team in football. And, uh, you know, in the playoffs, when, when the margin of error is as small as it is, nothing is more powerful than that confidence. And um, I think the Saints have it, and I think they're both right. They are an ascending team, uh, and they're playing their best football right now, which is uh, awfully positive if you're a Saints fan. Zach, players will tell you that they try to treat every game the same, but is that possible with the playoffs, I mean, is there a conscious or subconscious uh, shot of adrenaline when you know there's a, a one and doneness to this thing? Yeah, so he, here's what it is. The preparation is, is the same, right? And, and you, you know, the guys who have, uh, have done a good job of getting this team to 13-3 and three, um, have been preparing at a high level. What you can't say is the same is the level of, of adrenaline and urgency that you feel come game time, right? So uh, one of the things I I talked about in one of my openers uh, this year was that as games become more important, it becomes easier for players to reach their full emotional preparation readiness, right? So football is an emotional game. You've heard the expression that football is an emotional game played by emotional people, right? And, and that's a true statement. It, it takes emotion to play football at a high level. And the games like this playoff game are the ones that it's easy to reach that emotional peak, right, come game time. So when you're playing a game and you're, you know, a nine-win team playing a three-win team and you're at home and you're favored by ten, right, it's harder yeah. to reach that emotional peak. But in these games, it's very easy. You feel that urgency. You know there's nothing promised the next day. 
and I think most of these guys know what is at stake at this point. You're talking about a team that has, has been through some real adversity in the playoffs, and they know how sudden that season can end. And so the emotional readiness is so much easier to achieve, and with that, guys are playing closer to their potential. And it's the same across you know, the ball. The Minnesota Vikings are the same way. Those guys are emotionally at their peak, and so you're getting more out of every player, and so that game is far more intense. And that's the part that's different. Uh, you know, your preparation during the week, you try to keep the same. Zach, you, you played against many of these Vikings defenders, so you can give us as good a scouting report as anybody on uh, Daniil Hunter and Everson yeah. Griffin and the rest of those guys along that defensive line. What makes that defensive line uh, a really good unit for Minnesota? Because if they're going to have success against the Saints, it's obviously going to have to come up front where teams are 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 win. If when the te- when the Saints have struggled, it's been up front really when when they've not won up front on the offensive line. So what's going to make Minnesota's defensive line a strength against the Saints? So, you know, I think the thing that you kind of uh, appreciate about Minnesota's front is it's a complete group, right? They kind of check all the boxes. So you take Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin. Um, both of those guys are, are two-way defensive ends. They're both good against the run. They're both physical players, uh, shaped differently, right? The, Griffin's a little bit more compact. Daniil Hunter is more of a specimen, right? Big, long, lean. Uh, he's put on a lot of weight, really, since he's gotten to the NFL. But he's the big, muscular guy, right? Let him go off the bus first. Uh, he freaks everybody out, right? Yeah. He, he yeah. looks the part. Um, and, and they're two-way players on the edge, right? So uh, this, this team is really built to create pressure off of the edges. Um, and this is where the, the completeness of the D-line comes. In the interior of this group, they've got some really stout run defenders. Linval Joseph still is one of the top run-stopping nose tackles in all of football. He's kind of unmovable. Um, he's an interesting player, and when you really look at the stats, he's got more tackles uh, than, than Griffin does, right? So a more athletic player that's usually, you know, more available to make hits. But Linval Joseph, if you run within a couple yards of him, he's probably getting a hand on you, right? He, he's just yeah. a really stout player. And so when you look at that front, they've got great skill on the outside, very stout on the inside, and then they've got a couple of linebackers that can really run and tackle people. So, um, you know, the front creates challenges. I think the biggest thing in terms of an advantage for the Saints is that, like I said, this team creates all of its pressure. They really want to get after you on the edges, right? Mm -hmm. And the Saints are countering that with the best pass-protecting tackle duo in the National Football League. So, you know, Daniil Hunter, listen, Daniil Hunter has got 14 and a half sacks. He's one behind Cam. I think he's fifth or sixth in the National Football League. He's had an outstanding season. He, he's a versatile rusher. He's long. He plays with good power. Um, but Ryan Ramchek is the best pass-protecting right tackle in football right now. He just is. Yeah. And and the, the fact of the matter is, is that when he's played elite rushers, he's won. There's not one example this season of Ryan Ramchek not winning a one-on-one battle with an elite pass rusher. So, you know, I, I think for a team that has to create its pressure on the outside or that wants to anyways, this is a really tough matchup for them. And you're right. The games this year that the Saints have not given up pressure, they've won, right? The games that yeah. they have slipped in that department are the games that they haven't, you know, had a chance to win. And so 
and really with the I would say that the 49ers game was even a pretty good pass protection game for them but also we scored 46 points so you know I, I think I think your point is correct in that if the line plays up to its potential then this is a game that the Saints win you also look in the interior you're going to get Andrews Pete back you, you're going to have Larry Warford you're going to have your five starters on the field and, and really at the tackle position, those guys are considerably healthier at this point than they were last year at this point. So it's going to be a really good matchup, and I'll be interested to see if Mike Zimmer acknowledges early in this game, I'm not getting enough pressure with my edge guys. I've got to start bringing pressure because when teams bring pressure on Drew Brees, Drew Brees wins. Yeah, along those same lines, I was I was curious. You mentioned pretty much everyone on the line except for Eric McCoy, who you know is it has his first year in the NFL, first year going against this Minnesota Vikings team, and he's going to be going against Joseph. Do you think at all they try to bring that interior pressure and maybe get a one on one with Joseph and McCoy? First of all, rule number one in the offensive line room: never talk about a rookie ever. He hasn't earned the right to be talked about in the media. Listen, one of the things that's interesting is this is the battle of the top two centers in the draft last year, right? So Garrett Bradbury was drafted in the first round at NC State. Um, and, and I think if you watch those two guys play, Eric and him, the, the Saints won that decision, right? I think he's had a much better year, really, for a lot of Saints fans that watched the Packers game. Bradbury was completely overmatched, gave up three sacks from the center position of that game. Eric McCoy has given up 14 pressures all season. He has really been a stalwart inside, has been excellent in the running game. I don't think any staff is watching film of the Saints and saying, we're going to attack that player. You know, I think he's played at that high of a level. Now, that being said, Mike Zimmer is one of the kind of innovators of double-A gap pressure. That, that, that has always kind of been his calling card. Now, they've gotten away from it a little bit in recent years because offenses have figured out better how to handle that pressure. Um, but there have been some games that teams have been successful, not so much even winning one-on-one battles, but in confusing the interior of the line. This happened in the Titans game a couple of times. Granted, the Saints were starting two backups at guard, right? And so it'll be interesting to see if he tries to bring some of that pressure back. When the Saints played the Vikings in 2015, which was Mike Zimmer's first year, they were a really heavy A-gap pressure team. And early in that football game, we had way too many answers, and it completely went away. And we really haven't seen it since. But you wonder in this game if that isn't an area where Mike Zimmer tries to give the Saints some wrinkles to create pressure in the interior to get in Drew's face. Yeah. Zach, you, you've been a part of this Saints offense, so you know the answer to this question. Um, how different is it when there is a tight end the caliber of Jared Cook out doing what he's doing? Well, I think, you know, where you really feel it is in explosive plays, right? And, and one of the things that that interior vertical threat does is it, it keeps those safeties kind of at bay and deeper on the field, right? And so it opens the middle of the field. And so if you kind of think back and reflect on Mike Thomas's season, how many times have we seen Mike Thomas catching a ball crossing the middle of the field? Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like it, it's an insane number of catches where you've just seen Mike Thomas at 10 yards crossing the middle of the field. Well, that that space is created by a defense that is concerned with that vertical threat in the middle of the field. Right. It loosens those linebackers. It backs up safeties. 
And that's an area where you have seen the Saints struggle in, in the last couple of years without that threat. And it can come from a couple different places. You know, it used to come from uh, uh, Robert Meacham and Devery Henderson, yeah. right, who could play on the edge, play in the slot, and then be that vertical threat in the middle of the field. Well, right now it's been Jared Cook. And, and I really do think that Jared's biggest impact has been on the other players around him. Now, that being said, he's got nine touchdowns in his last ten games. Yeah. So he's really been a big play threat. He's averaging 16.7 uh, yards per catch. That's the best among tight ends uh, this season. So, you know, he's the explosive player in this offense, although Mike Thomas does lead the NFL in, expl- in explosive receptions along with every other type of reception. Uh, but I think a lot of that has come from Jared Cook's ability to control the middle of the field and soften defenses and open up that middle for Drew. Zach, before we let you go, we never got a chance to ask you about uh, a few weekends ago with the um, Super Bowl anniversary and having all the guys in town. How was that for you? How was your experience? I know you spent the game up in the booth calling the game, but how was that, how was that weekend for you? Well, first of all, I think everybody universally was uh, incredibly thankful to the Saints organization for putting that together. You know, it was a lot of time and money and resources mm-hmm. spent on bringing everybody back to that game and getting everybody to a game, the banquet that we had uh, on, on Friday night, you know, I just, or, or Saturday night, it was a very special weekend. And uh, it's been kind of interesting watching these, uh, the, the documentary that you guys put together. I know Doug Tatum's been really involved in that, uh, and, and they've been a ton of fun to watch. But I think what we've kind of taken out of them is kind of reflecting and remembering how special that group was and how special that season was. And, you know, when you get everybody back together for that weekend and it's just this immediate bond uh, that you all feel, and it's like, you know, you kind of fall right into your old act. Everybody kind of takes their respective places uh in that group and um it it was it was awesome it was so much fun to get to catch up with guys everybody's kind of in a different place now you know you talk to guys and you know there's 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 a a bunch of 10 year old kids in those families now that that weren't around or you know were infants at the time and uh and so it's been a lot of fun to kind of catch up with everybody but uh it was special and and you know, Joe Vitt always told us, you know, you're going to win together and you're going to walk together forever. And every single time uh, something like that comes up, you realize that what he said was true. And that group will always have that special bond and getting a chance to get back together like that. Uh, it, it was a great weekend. And I think we all, you know, kind of owe the Saints a, uh, a bit of gratitude for putting that together for us. Well, Zach, we appreciate your time uh, joining us today. If y'all want to watch the uh, seven-part series on the Super Bowl team, you can watch Walking Together Forever on NewOrleansSaints.com. It's a seven-part video series. Uh, I'm glad you're enjoying it, Zach, and uh, we appreciate you coming on the show. We'll see you on Sunday. Sounds good, guys. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Zach. Today's show was brought to you by SeatGeek. If you're trying to find tickets to football games or any other live event, it can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing, but with SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats, buy from any device and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple taps. Best of all, our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase when they use the SeatGeek app. Use code GOSAINTS at checkout. 
SeatGeek score the best deals on tickets. All right, that'll do it for our show today. Of course, as we mentioned, the Saints will take on the Minnesota Vikings this weekend for their first round of playoffs in the wild card weekend. Uh, they'll, talk, they'll take on the Vikings at noon. We will have your pregame coverage on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app around 10, so make sure you're tuning in. We'll also have your inactives list. And we will notify you of that on the Saints app. So make sure you're downloading it and turning on your notifications. We'll have your post-game coverage as well on NewOrleansSaints.com. Immediately following the game with the live press conferences of Sean Payton and Drew Brees. Of course, we'll have much more updates between now and then. And as I mentioned, we'll have our seven-part series, Walking Together Forever, available on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app. That'll release at 8 p.m every night. All right. Thanks for joining us on the show today. We'll see you Sunday and go Saints.